Hi, you guys. <laughs> hello, hello. So good to see you guys. Let's see. Ready. This is really fun to be together here. Well, we, we didn't really choose a topic or anything. We just kind of decided we were going to have a conversation. Generally, my NHA conversations begin with a, a check-in and a, a quick breathing or a quick check-in with the energy is what I'm talking about. Um, do you guys mind if we do that real quick? I would love that. So I am just settling myself where I'm sitting. I am, I'm comfortable closing my eyes, so I'm closing my eyes right now. And I'm just trying to breathe in all that's going on around me. Have a massive project in that I just put a house that I remodeled on the market over the weekend. And I am in like a day five of a COVID quarantine. So my wife and I went to San Francisco to visit my son and both got COVID for our, for our trouble. So that was lovely. Uh, so there's lots of energy with that. There's, there's nerves, there's anxiety, there's the peace and isolation. Um, acknowledgement of how important health is and then I'm checking in with the energy is kind of like that but maybe not all mine so obviously parents going to visit a son um, COVID these are things that families all over the place are dealing with so I'm I as I breathe all of that in I'm thinking I'm not thinking anything that's the wrong verb I am utilizing that energy to think of, I said, think again, man, I'm in my head right now, <laughs> COVID brain. I'm seeing what that energy informs me of um, moving forward, moving into today, moving into this week, moving into this conversation. So I try to grow a greatness or uncover a greatness out of that energy. And right now, what I'm feeling is the greatness of patient healing. So that's what I hope to bring to my day and week is patient healing. You guys could share anything that is coming up for you, or we can just breathe that energy for a minute. Um, but that helps me center. So I hope it's helpful for you. Yeah, I've been breathing and feeling as you've been talking. And what's coming up for me is um, I, my intensity, I am so intense. And it's, I love that I can love that and celebrate that. Um, but the intensity of my intensity, it's like, it's a bubbling volcano. It's like, it's big and it's loud. And when I hear you and like-minded people talking about energy and talking about how they're feeling and just looking at your faces and knowing that I am talking to two humans who believe in people and believe in seeing what's right about people. And we're gonna have a conversation about that. And we're just all here like for no, no reason, right? No one hired us, no one's paying us. Like we're just here to bring the gift of us to the world. Like I am so grateful that I know you, that I am part of this, that, that I get to do this, that I have permission to like bring this to the world. Like I have permission to chat with you guys about this and put it out there to the world and like I just I I my arms feel like tingly and like rushing and bubbling I just like I want to like all the thoughts and all the feelings and everything that I that's inside of me about everything I just um how cool how different how radical how out there that there are other people in the world who want to just chat with me about how cool people are and that they're and that people are good it's just so um I'm definitely greatness of passion doesn't really sit well with me in this moment it doesn't feel like passion it's like in just an overbubbling vol 
volcanic eruption of joy <laughs> and gratitude and love um, and excitement. I'm just really excited. So, and, and the crazy part is that this part of me is something that definitely my whole life I squelched to the point that I wasn't even as aware of it as I am now, but not, even, even like post nurtured heart, like in, and especially in certain settings is like, let me just be quiet. You know, like, let me just simmer down. You know, I don't want to overwhelm anyone, but it's like, no, this is my greatness. Like go blab, you know, like, and, and people can take care of themselves if they need to take some space, they can, but like, I'm here. And like, that's such a gift to me that I could just like be all me and know that it's great. So woohoo. <laughs> I am here. <laughs> all of me. <laughs> and that's where I'm at. That's a good place to be. Woohoo. <laughs> if I didn't I'm have a laptop on my lap, I'd probably jump up and down. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you're a woohoo person, let's see, for sure. You are the greatness of woohoo and all its uh all its grandeur. <laughs> um, oh, for me, um, you know, it's been a hectic morning this morning. I did lots of resets as I was rushing to and fro and getting back here in time to jump in with you guys. Um, it's been a time in life of, of interesting challenge. And um, what, as I zone in, zoom in to the present moment, what I think about and what I feel and um, is trying to get all of that in sync again for these moments that we have, um, that thinking, feeling, doing, heart, mind, soul, synchrony. Um, and what I love about this opportunity is that I've come to know myself well enough that I don't, I can't do the journey alone. Um, part of my, my growth was to find that place where I did this nurtured heart journey inwardly and with myself and did a lot of that work. And what I've come to know is that my best self happens um yes when i'm attuned to that but also when i'm um intentionally seeking the input and the challenge and the joy and the uplift and the perspective of others that are in a similar kind of path um and what i'm finding myself at this point in life is looking at um as much as you mentioned all the goodness of people must be is the challenge of um a bigger purpose than just finding the goodness of, of um, each individual I'm working with. So looking at how, where my role fits in terms of impacting the society that needs to be impacted right now, um, in my opinion, and trying to figure out how to make that happen, how to balance that, um, how to find all that while still looking through the nurtured heart lens and still um, being present with um, all the, the difficulties in a uh, nurtured heart kind of approach. And, and sometimes in a, an approach that's actually bigger than nurtured heart for myself. So I'm the greatest of that exploration and that intentional continuation of the exploration and challenge on behalf of kindness and love. I, the word that came for me was what you said. It was intentional, like so much intentionality in that of um, a sort of <clears throat> driver's seat type of life where you're owning your, <clears throat> you're owning your, your place as someone, a citizen of this planet, and you're taking that seriously and responsibly, you know, and intentionally. Yeah, where that hits me, Mussy, is is um, I've been doing a lot of work with the stand one stuff, and it's just like it would be easy to stand one all the negativity in the world in a simple way of just saying, "Oh, I'm not going to energize it. I'm just not going to participate." But I feel like I need to participate. Um, that just choosing not to energize it is doesn't feel like enough for me. Yeah, there's a there's a fascinating part of that um, 
for me, if energy is what we want and energy is our fuel for our greatness in many ways, and our intensity is often part of that energy, um, why would we just say no to the negative? That would be so much fuel wasted. So I hope mm -hmm. that no one is, is trying to venture down the NHA path too long before they bump into that bit of things, which is we're not ignoring the bad and we're not just turning away from it. We actually want to utilize it. And I know, Scott, you're so far down that path, you're, you're well past the simple thing that I'm saying, but, but I want <clears throat> anybody who's just beginning in the approach and hears us talking to say, yeah, this, this is not about ignoring. And this is not about just turning your back on, on, on the negative and the things you don't like and the things you don't want to deal with. You still have to deal with it. Life still happens. The power of NHA is that it's, it is supposed to happen in the midst of life. And there's going to be stuff that happens that we don't like that is negative, whatever negative means to each individual person in each situation. I just want to clarify that what is negative changes depending on the person and the circumstance. Um, but we want to utilize that. We want to take that energy and then transform it into something more useful. Um, and there's a nuance there that could take a lifetime to master. I certainly have not come close yet, but, um, but that's, the, that's the goal, is why would we want to ignore all of that powerful energy coming in? That can be a great source of fuel for us. So whether that be a, a child that's not you know, following the rules that would make nighttime go well, or, or getting off to school in the morning goes smoothly for us, or whether that's a student in a class that's you know doing some sort of behavior that's going to disrupt our day or our teaching lesson, or whether that just be some person in traffic. Um, you know, the world is bigger than than our goals. The world is bigger than our plan, and there are things at play more important than what makes things go smoothly for us. And so, when we can tap into all of that. And then just see the beauty and the greatness that people are bringing to their situations. Man, there's so much fertile ground. There's so much room for healing so much of what I think needs to be healed in the world. So that's what I'm passionate about. And when I hear you say that, Scott, I get very excited to think that we're not just ignoring negative. I think there's too much of that. Um, but then I would even question what we call negative. Is it really negative? No, let's really examine that. That's for maybe another conversation. I was going to say that this this reminds me of the slide in the workshops we do with the radical appreciation of you know well what is going or what isn't when when it's a truth based approach not a positive based approach then which I believe it is at least for me it is um, what is is the truth so it's meant to be. It's on purpose and it's here. Ignoring it means not living in here. It means lying and be living a life that isn't true. So if right here, the intensity of the moment actually might be negative, actually, there are negative things in the world. There are bad things that happen and, and, and bad things that people do. And, you know, it, it, this isn't a reflection on why or where or generational trauma or whatever. There's just, there's, there's negative, um, but whatever is, is here. And I'm here. So in a truth-based approach for me, radical appreciation means, well, then being here with the negative is my greatness. Well, then, well, then seeing, you know, what needs to change and being willing to have that rough conversation or, or, or work on myself to change the way that I view or see or say, or talk about something, or, you know, to, to feel these feelings and cry and be miserable, you know, and, and feel the grief or, or, um, you know, be in the uncomfortable, then that's my greatness. So it's, it's not, it's whatever is, is, and then the radical appreciation piece is, and, and that's, and that's beautiful that I'm, that I'm here. It's beautiful that I'm sticking up for what I believe in. It's beautiful that I'm, that I'm, you know, leaving someone behind or leaving something behind. It's beautiful. Like I am going to see the, the rightness, the beauty in what is, because it's on purpose and I'm on purpose and we're on purpose. And so, yeah, I, I come back, I've been coming back to this on purpose piece a lot. Like it feels to me that like inner wealth 
for me right now, like the conversation is about to myself and about the world is that it's not good or it's not bad. It is, and it's on purpose. So let's own that. And let's, and let's live in that purposefulness. And, and like you're saying, the fuel, use it, you know, um, that on the practical side of things, <laughs> I was dealing with um, a very intense little girl who um, just brilliantly intense in all, in all levels. And she'll have really, really, really big um, outbursts of everything. So joy and love and anger and frustration and complaining and and making drama and you know just everything it's just everything's big and one time she was um just really I don't remember if she was like crying about it's like this is the worst day ever of my life and I wish I wasn't and you know like big and and I said to her something like you know what's so beautiful about how angry you are right now and how and how and how much you hate this day to me I'm not happy that you're, that you're having a hard time, but there's something about it that makes my heart smile because to me, this is your huge heart. You have such a huge heart. You feel everything so big. This is the same as your creativity and your love and your ability to be there for others and think of incredible ideas. And you get so angry about things that you don't like, and you get so frustrated when things don't go your way because you just feel so big and it's such a gift to be so alive and she she loved it she she's smart you know and well it was real in that moment um my heart was smiling when i you know i i was re, i was in my heart enough to see that she's just so big and and what a gift to the world that there's someone so big in the world i mean i relate to that um bigness and and so it's so cool that she's so angry you know, that she's like, literally like destroying everything because she's just so, she's so bigger than life. It's such a cool quality. It's such a cool truth about her. So. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. So um, yeah, I mean, you, you really saw the bigness of her. It's interesting as you were saying that I think about how much we go through life with, um, that battle of how much to release the bigness of who we are and find the bigness of who we are versus how much there is that push to shrink that bigness. We want kids to get control. We want it all to become manageable and comfortable for us. So it's neat that you recognized and and appreciated and saw the beauty of the, the freedom to own her bigness. I mean, yeah, talk about a reframe. I'm guessing she probably hadn't heard a lot of people saying that's a part of the marvelousness of who you are. Yeah, that's that's what was speaking to me is as a person that was often told us too much, too loud, too energetic, too this, too that. Um, it took me a long time to even feel comfortable with any part of that bigness. And so to have you recognizing that in her as a, as a strength and a greatness, um, that's tremendously powerful. And then the other piece though, I'm still stuck on practical, I guess, like I want somebody to have something tangible. Um, there's so many pitfalls in this. If you try to overthink, it's, it's ironic that, uh, that think kept coming up as, as a verb in my opening because don't think as much as most of us who are drawn to this work do, like drop into your heart. If Moosey had been giving that child that recognition and then tried that little snap that teachers and parents do, this is the bigness of you and you get so big, this is your joy, this is your creativity, but then this is also your anger and then flip. Imagine now if you could just control your, she's gone now, (laughs) right? Like it's just that simple though. And we all want to go there. We're like, okay, we gave the recognition and now we can get to where we're going. And that's manipulation. And that's not this approach. We're not trying to change behavior. We're not trying to get them to stop doing something or start doing something. We're just stating what is happening and recognizing their greatness. And as that young lady begins to own and feel more comfortable in her bigness, she and the world, I have tremendous faith, the world will tell her in many, many ways as Scott said, that pressure of where she's too big and where she's you know, gonna have to work on some things. What she needs from her parents and adults that are close is not necessarily that. 
She needs a cheerleader. She needs someone to see her and nurture her and let her have a safe place to grow that greatness, feel that inner wealth, because the world's going to give her ample opportunity to shape and mold that inner wealth. We need to give her the strength and the ability to have the inner wealth to go deal with that. So again, I get too esoteric sometimes, but it's so important the way you did it. And I just want to take the time to kind of parse out there where there can be some mistakes is if you give a, a recognition in order to get something, if you think you're building a relationship so that you can get them to stop, you know, that's all manipulation. And that's not true relationship building. And that will backfire. Yeah, that manipulation piece is really important. You said something there, Freddie, that I think is super important, which is the space for her to be who she is. And I think that's a really important part of what we're trying to do is create a safe space for people to be who they are, not only to be who they are, but to become even more fully who they are. So they have the space around themselves to continue to grow that. And as I think about a teacher with 20, 25 kids and a child who's, who's big like that, that teacher is going to be thinking, well, part of why I want to squash it is so it doesn't overwhelm all the other kids or me. And so how do we create a space that is not only good, that's not only open wide for that child and also open wide for the child who is quieter, who is more reticent to participate, who's maybe scared by or intimidated by that. And I think that that's, that's that thing. And I think people struggle with this, but I think you can really, by having that individual relationship with each child, by seeing the unique miracle of each individual child you can create that space for 25 kids, 25 unique spaces that are all blended into multiple layers of different spaces that are shared too. Um, I think you, you can do that. I think you can create that space. And part of it is, as you must be recognize that child, if somebody else feels that, sees that, hears that, but, but they don't even need to necessarily hear it all, but they can feel your energy accepting that, then they can be modeled that idea that, oh, it's okay to be that way. And then when I receive it, it's okay to be my way too. Whoa, it's okay to be all 25 different ways there are in this class. And I think that's how you get to that place. And I think it's also, you know, common term we think about is bullying. I think it's also how we eliminate bullying by recognizing that there's space for each one of us uniquely. And Anytime one is impacting others, we all come back into it together. But I like that space idea. Wow, that made me really emotional. That was really beautiful. <laughs> I think the, the power of modeling is, is so important. Again, how you deal with the loud kid, how you deal with the, the troubled kid, the quiet kid, the, the, you know, that's my whole adult life has been dealing with high school kids and all the many personalities and experiences they bring into a classroom. And they are keen, keen watchers and they, they know exactly what's happening. So if you smash one kid oh, yeah. to make room for everybody else, what you just did is make every single kid in that room feel unsafe. You didn't open up any space for anybody else. I did that for probably 10 years of my teaching life. I'm horrified to admit um, but that was a trigger for me was bullying. And so when somebody got loud or bullying, you know, I was often responding similarly to that in order to open up space for others, exactly like Scott said. And it's, it's the horribly wrong thing to do because now this, the timid kids are not only scared of the bully, they're now scared of me and the bullies and other kids either just disengage totally because I smashed them or now they have a challenge like oh well now let's see if I can get him to do that again and I've become a toy so uh <laughs> the key would very much be to the way Scott said it really I don't need to repeat it to to demonstrate and model that it's okay for everybody to be how they are there are still consequences you know, there are still things that are going to get you kicked out of a room. There are still things that are going to get calls home. There are certainly things that will get grades lowered or whatever. We're not trying, you know, again, like Lucy said to begin with, 
this is the real world. Stuff's going to happen. Not everybody's going to become to class as our perfect little, you know, model student every single day. But, but that's not what we sign up to teach, I hope. We sign up to teach real people in real life, not little model people. So that, that's just what I wanted to say, just the beauty of that model and that everybody watches. The way you treat one person is so important to how everybody else is going to feel. Freddie, could I, could I ask you to model that? Like, you know, say, you know, you're in your classroom right now and can you walk us through like a, a bully moment, how that looks? Um, oh, wow. That's, I never want to say no to a challenge, but that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think I would just recognize mostly what's happening. So in my head right now, I'm in a room of ninth graders because the ninth grade algebra class is generally where all of the behaviors that exist on the planet exist because there are kids that are hating math. They've been told they're bad at math. They don't want to be in math. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. And they're ninth grade. They're new to high school. They're terrified. They're all the things. They're attracted to this person, nervous about this person. They don't even know what those things mean yet. And um, so somebody will say something about a kid's clothes or a kid's backpack or, you know, just something mean. And um, they're saying it usually to to bring the, the kid down a social notch or to gain some cred with their own friends, right? Like, oh, look what I did to that guy. Um, so instead of coming in as I used to, I would have come in with a very sarcastic response. I would have come in as like, I'm the cool older guy and you're trying to be cool, but let me just smash you with some sarcastic, you know, hit at you to bring you down. Um, which is obviously horrible. When I say that out loud, I feel like almost a monster. But when you're going through educational training and you're just dealing with school, like that's how it, that's how it was. That's what you do to a bully. Um, it's better than, you know, kicking them out of class or getting violent with them or something. If you can just handle it with sarcasm and humor, it, you know, the kids all think you're the cool teacher and, and the problem kind of goes away and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's what I would not do. I did a lot of that for a lot of years and it's really bad. And frankly, that's what teachers did to me a lot. So I'm, I'm familiar with that and it's not good. What I would do now, I think, is just address it to the room. Like, wow, I just heard something and uh, I just wanna, I wanna breathe that in. I'm imagining that some people also heard it and that's not really what we want in the classroom. Like. I could then address the student like I hear sometimes see I can't give an example because it also depends in my head this ninth grade student is someone that I already have a relationship with so I might then if I have a relationship with them already that's pretty decent I would ask them the actual bully like Jose I just heard you say this thing can you say that in a less hurtful way. I'm sure you didn't, you know, I might even lead them. I'm sure you didn't mean that to come across as rough as it came across. Is there something you were trying to say that you can say in a different way? If I don't have a relationship with them, then I might just talk to the receiver. Like, okay, so, you know, Gabriela, that, that came across as rude, but, you know, I, I, I think that you know, whatever it is, your voice, your backpack, your shirt, you know, is, is awesome right now. Um, if it is something that I could address like that individually, but otherwise I think I would just stick with that first one. I would kind of just address it to the room and cause then it's not personal and no one's really feeling, I mean, there might've been 10 bullying things that happened before I walked in the room. So now I can talk to all of them. You know, I don't need to make it an individual thing. I can say, Ugh, I feel some of this in the air and this isn't really how we like our classroom to feel. This isn't how I like our classroom to feel. What can we do with this? And then kind of get into the class. So now look, we're, we're students who just dealt with that. We're students who tapped into how we feel. We're able to express it. We're able to move on. Now here we are in our greatness of being here together, moving into class with our intention, you know, reset. And so, Again, what, what's awkward about that is I can't give the details as much as I would like to make it really tangible. Um, 
But what I hope is getting across is that it's an investment, especially in this ninth grade class scenario that I'm talking about. A teacher might take 10 minutes here, might take half an hour here, might take a week where content kind of goes on the side. Yeah, every administrator's in love with me right now. Content kind of goes on the side for a little while and we're building relationships. And we're building relationship between the students. We're building relationships between the students and me. Hopefully, I'm going to get some parents involved and we're going to build relationship with families. And that investment in relationship is going to pay off over the course of this semester, over the course of this year. And then in my high school mindset, it's going to pay off in the course of these four years. So the relationship I build in ninth grade is going to make so many things go easier when I need it to really matter in 11th and 12th grade. So I hope that's clear. I don't even know. Maybe I'm COVID brain still. I hope that was clear. Well, actually what, you, what you're saying, like what strikes me so much is kind of how you wrapped it up of like how much relief, the two things that strike me in, in your little scenario there is one, um, how much relationship you have, like, you have with these kids and are and are constantly creating with these kids like well it's double side the number two kind of goes first also it's kind of like they're both number two is the confidence you have in your role as the teacher your confidence in knowing that you're a loving safe adult and walking in there as that loving safe adult without the fear because I know for myself also I've also been um it, it the recipient and the giver of that sarcastic type of thing where like I, I, I taught high school for one year and then I was, I was in administration the other times, but um, that one year that I had one class that I just, I, I was intimidated of them. They were taller than me. I was really young. Um, I had taught preschool before that and I was intimidated. Like just, let's just be real. And I was trying to be cool. I was trying to be to be, I, I was scared that, that if they didn't, if they didn't, like, I, I didn't believe in myself enough to just not demand respect actively to demand respect with my demeanor, like just like walking in, like I own the room, I'm the teacher. We can have conversations. We can be real. Like I wouldn't be real because they'd make fun of it or they'd, you know, to have the, to have the kind of vulnerability and courage to in the classroom be like, oh, let's breathe that in. Like, you know, what's happening here to like, just say it as it is and face it. Like, I feel panic <laughs> just hearing you say that. Like, how's the teacher supposed to do that? Like, that's scary. What if all the kids snicker? What if they all giggle? What if they say, oh, he's a weirdo and never want to come to his class anymore? Like, no, but if I'm owning, they, it's energy, right? It's like, they, they can sense that I know that now more than more, like, I, I get that now. And I want to reflect your greatness in that, that, when you, Freddie Mendoza, walk into the classroom, you are there fully as you embodying you. And that's a safe place. And that's a safe, a safe person. And then the relationship that's constantly being built, and then the invitation to pause, the acceptance and the, the acceptance of what we were saying before of each kid and what they're going through is not something you're portraying in the moment of a mean sentence. That's something you're portraying every minute. And I think that's where my question wasn't so fair is that nurtured heart is not done in those moments. I mean, it is right. It never goes away, but everything that matters about that moment is what, what's been going on from the first second you walked in that classroom, your clarity of who you are as a teacher, you're walking in with that. I'm here and I, and I trust myself to be your teacher. Right. And, and then, and then that smiling and seeing and, and really being happy that they're in the classroom and them feeling that. And then when you're taking a break and breathing, they know that it's true, that, that it's not just this, this like kind of, I remember some making fun of some teachers who'd be like, do we really want to be so, you know, let's, let's create some, you know, let's breathe. And we'd be like, hey, are we in first grade? Like, you know, like, um, but no, you mean it because you love them bottom line. They know that they feel that. So it's so much about, I, I want to honor that it's so much about your poise and confidence and honesty in in your role in that classroom, I think that makes that moment even be possible or work. I want to hear from Scott so much. I just want to say this really quickly, which is 
from the time I was 23 till the time I was 45, I was in a high school classroom and I'm not the biggest guy on the planet. There's always bigger kids than me in the room. And it is always scary. It is always intimidating. It's part of the educational conversation in our country that no one ever will talk about. There are some big, scary kids. And, um, and then the second thing I want to say is that's pe that piece of vulnerability is so important. So if they snicker or if they laugh, which they will, then talk about that too. I, I know you guys are laughing at me. I just asked you to breathe in a situation. That's weird. If some adult said that to me, I think it's weird too. I'm not going to hide from that, but blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, I just want to just say that I, the, the fear never goes away. If you're a teacher out there feeling that, it never goes away. Um, and, and, and high school kids will zero in like sharks, you know, on your one insecurity in life and they will pound it. High school kids. I mean, we were all them, but they they have a nose for your insecurity and they will they will attack it so just being strong enough and poised enough to to speak to the vulnerability is going to be what allows them to to speak to their own vulnerability and that's where the power really happens i like that that's uh, so true and it is so true it is so true that um Kids can be scary. Kids can be scary, and that's part really as part of too as a teacher. And it, it, you know, I mean, this stuff comes up in families too. Um, you're afraid you're not going to handle it well. You're afraid that the kids are going to follow that kid instead of following you. Um, there's all that that stuff is there. What I think is really important about what just happened in that sequence is um, zooming in on that moment. This is one of the things I see so often in the Facebook conversations. Is it's like, I want the fix for this situation, this specific situation. And we get lost in the moment of what's the exact right thing to do in that moment. And, and that's great. And, and what you demonstrated there, Freddie, is that there are a range of ways you can handle that situation. Some of them might exacerbate it, make it worse. Some of it might make it better. Um, there's no one way. And, and frankly, we, we probably don't get to the best place most of the time when we're under that kind of stress. Um, but you, you handle it, you do the best you can. Um, you can reset that, you can, you know, you can call it as bullying. Some experts would say, if you see bullying, call it bullying. Some would say, you know, don't, you don't have to call it bullying. You can call it a put down. You can do it however you want to do it. You can reset it, but you want to, you don't want to identify that person as a bully any more than you want to identify the the person who's receiving it as a target. Um, so you you avoid that, but you deal with it the best you can. And then you know, you get to process that. You get to think, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What does that tell me about? To me, it's always like, there's a stand one moment in there. You got triggered. You felt something. You decided to notice that, do something with that. And that's to me goes back to the core of the nurture heart approach. It's it's tuning into the process of what you're doing as you move through the three stands constantly. So you're going, okay, this is a trigger for me. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it on behalf of that kid. Who does that tell me I am? Who does this remind me that I am? Who does this remind me uh, in terms of the the classroom I want to create? What's my my stand that I am standing in? What am I standing for here? And all that can happen in an instant. All of a sudden you're back into the moment. Um, but it's also okay to take a second and, and take a breath and go, hmm, I'm feeling that, I'm noticing that. How might I wanna to respond to that? But as you um, you went on to say, and Musty, you, you dug into this, is that what's really important is, it's important to be ready for that moment and try to handle it as best we can. But what's really important is if you're building the classroom like you want to build it, that kid who received that knows that's not who he is. And he's learning that every day, not only from you, but because of the, the way that you facilitate that with your, with your students, he's hearing that from other people too. So anytime you hear a student give another student encouragement, you're calling that out. It's, it's an instant thing. It's not like it takes a lot of time. But it's an ongoing thing. You may do some anchoring on relationships periodically through the year, 
But in every day and every moment, it's like you can be tuned into both the academic learning and the social aspects that are going on in your class. And bam, I'm going to hit you every time you say something positive to that kid. Every time I see this classroom listening respectfully as that other child speaks out, I'm going to keep calling that out. And then we're building a place where even if there is a recipient of some bullying behavior, that person has the strength and the rest of the class has has built that safe space for that kid too. One of the things about bullies is they don't typically act alone. They want an audience. Um, and it's not always hurt people hurt people. It's often, as you said, Freddie, it's a way that, that some people will, will um, create their own social powers by using bullying behaviors. Um, so that's, that's where I would say is there's always going to be that moment. Yeah, we're going to keep trying to prepare for it as well as we can. Um, and also know that the moment is not just about that moment. It's about the ongoing relationships that we're building, the ongoing safe space, um, nurturing, nourishing space that we're creating. Muhammad Ali has always been one of my heroes. And he said the fight is, is won or lost long before I get under the lights and in between the ropes. And I feel like that is so true about NHA. Like, it's not our training and our road work and gym work that wins or loses the fight for us, though. Obviously, in the metaphor, it's the relationship building. And so, as Scott's saying, if we've done our job in terms of building the relationship and building the classroom, and in fact, the school culture, um, the fights are much easier. <laughs> fights, sometimes literal, most of the time, hopefully figurative, are much more easy, easily won. And if we haven't done the relationship work, then most of those fights are gonna be lost before, they, before we even get in the ring. Sadly, I hope that there's a lot of administrators that hear this because I think that's the power right now of what NHA and other, other SEL programs, but what, what NHA can bring to a school culture, or again, in, in other settings to a home culture, um, mm -hmm. where we can win and lose these fights sometimes before we even get into them. School culture, yeah, it's not just about the kids, it's not just about the student-teacher relationship. It's also about, and where administrators can really play into this is, is it's about the staff relationships as well. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm feeling, um, I can't, I don't have the right word for it, but something that, that for my own life, that's related to, to what. I heard Scott saying and Freddie saying, I don't, it's, it's just coming up for me. So I'm just going to share um, about this is like the not about, it's not about those moments that like the, this, the biggest transformation of nurtured heart in my parenting has not been um, a measured change in how many times I lose it or how many times I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or how many times my kids fight or do, you know, do, do or say the wrong thing. The transformation has been that those, those moments and times aren't the focus anymore. Yeah. And that has been the biggest change that I see myself as a good mother. I see my family as a good family. I see my kids as good kids. And the funny thing is when parents come to me with, I don't know about the nurtured heart because do you know what my kid did? And I start laughing because my kid literally did that this morning, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I actually had a class in my home, okay? And I, and the kid, someone brought up something about breaking something. And I was like, you guys are all facing me, but turn around, look behind you. There was a broken cabinet door. I was like, do you know how that door broke? And actually it's the third time. So we're not even fixing it anymore. Um, and like, yeah, you know, my kid broke, and it's like, but the crazy thing is, I, I actually don't think to think about these things that much. It's like, I, I, I want to take, I, I want to take the opportunity in a, in a quiet time with myself to think about how my transitions are going and how my routines are. And if I need to make things smoother and better clarity wise, you know, like maybe I'm not, maybe my kids have needs that need to be met that I'm not meeting. But like, as far as like what I'm thinking about, about myself and our family, like, I don't even care about. I, I, it's just, I, it's really, that's the transformation right, right here. It's like, I just, 
and I have so much permission and like, I am an activated person. I am a person who gets, yes, I'm big, right? We were talking about before, like I do get escalated fast. I do have trouble staying in my heart. I do get triggered by things. I do clam up. I do get get sarcastic and mean and ugly and want to poke at people and and get back at them and and show them. And I and I do. I am a child in a lot of my my growth, uh, you know, emotionally. And I'm so much more mature and so much more of an adult than I was a few years ago. And I'm very proud of that. But I do get ugly sometimes. And it's just amazing to me that I don't ever think about that. I don't know. That's how, I don't not ever think about that because I think about that in, in, in the context of continued growth, but I don't, I would never uh, define myself as a bad mother or as an immature That's mother. True. And like, I am having these negative moments all the time. It's just that that's not, and, and I think about, I love the movie Inside Out from, from Disney with the, um, with the, um, the, the memory, the memories being where the emotion is at. I think about my life and my childhood. And I remember Scott, you, I repeat this every, every course I give Scott, I repeat what you said about, (laughs) you know, knowing when an adult was, was approachable as a kid. How do you know that? You know, like you just do, you just do. And like, I have equally strong memories of cuddling with my mother on the couch. um, And I have equally strong memories of being sent to my room because they were equally important to me. You know, the time that my mother sat with me till I fell asleep, till I fell asleep. I'm from a family of 13. That's a hard thing to do. She wasn't able to sit with each kid until they <laughs> fell asleep, mostly. Oh my God. And 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 the, the day she did that is like right here all the time. It's like that is something I hold on to equally as the time that I was left behind. Because with 13 kids, sometimes you leave a kid behind. I was hiding under a chair. Nobody knew I was there and I was left behind, you know. Ouch, right? It was the equally. So it's like, for me, it's like, okay, I could try really, really hard to not have those leave my kid behind moments because, oh no, it traumatized me as a kid. So I don't want to traumatize my kid. But I could equally build such a strong nurturing childhood by creating more of the sitting by them until they fall asleep moments. And they'll grow up with those, with those, with those memories and that knowing that mommy loves them and that mommy's a safe haven for them and that they are important and known about that somebody in the world sees them like so i can't really prevent them from having the negative traumatic things when someone i was speaking to once was like when i was feeling guilty before nurtured heart about my parenting was like you know what worst comes to worse your kids will go to therapy hopefully you'll be able to pay for it and it kind of was was humorous <laughs> and i laughed it was i because yeah i guess you know um but but like the truth is i have to stop I have to stop making it my goal to not traumatize my kids because as long as that's my goal to like not repeat the cycle and to not do, you know, I'm going to be so triggered by every little thing I do wrong. I'm just going to spiral and traumatize them more. So for me, it's like a non-issue, like whether I traumatize them or not, like we're going to deal with that when it comes. Like I am here to just take really, 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 really good care of myself as much as I can, you know, take time to to take care of me. You know, some parents can reset in the moment with their kids and be fine. Sometimes I got to go abandon my kids and lock the door, but I'm going to do it. I called Scott once from my bathroom with the door locked. Scott, help my daughter's outside. <laughs> ah! um, and because that's just me and I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. And, and so then I have those connected moments and, you know, my hope is that, that when they look back at their childhood, they're remembering their connected moments and that the portfolio of that is heavy enough to outweigh the other, but it's not my goal to not have those bad moments anymore. It's just not my goal. My goal is to build a good moments. That's it. Those bad moments are, are juicy. I mean, this is full circle to start. Maybe it's a different conversation, but um, I think that is like we start, started this conversation. There's a place when we're early in nurtured heart that, Part of the stand one toward ourselves is that idea of I'm not going to energize those negative thoughts about myself. And then we grow into a place of going, oh, yeah, that's me escalating right there. That's right. Hello, escalation. We've talked about this one, Musty, right? That, hello, escalation. That's right. You're here to remind me. That's right. ah, as I think about you, I'm reminded who I am. I'm a person who, yeah, has the capacity to escalate. And what I'm going to choose to do with that is I'm going to choose to be the greatness of a loving person who notices my escalation and says, 
Oh, Escalation, I'm going to put you on pause. I know you'll be there to do some more work with me later. But for right now, I'm going to go back to my kids and not escalate. And and that's because, because why, Amasi? Because you're a loving parent, because you're kind, because you're thoughtful, because you are a parent who takes puts in the effort to really do the work to um, recognize that we have the capacity to traumatize our kids. And we also have the capacity to heal trauma and to avoid trauma and to build um, loving children who I know with your kids look at each other with the space for love, with the capacity to give recognition, with the capacity to own their own. Um, that stuff that, that, and that's why that stand one is something that's so juicy to me because it ties directly to stand three. And man, once you get to that point where it's not only I'm not going to escalate anymore and I'm not going to beat myself up over, over it when I do, I'm going to turn to that escalation and say, hey, you were there. Let's, like, we got some work to do. Let's have fun with that. Let's do it. And it's not always fun, but I, will I mean, I think that's one of the juiciest places is, is when the crap happens and it's going to happen. Um, when I make those mistakes and I'm going to make them and man, I got some juicy stuff recently in my life <laughs> that I know how to turn and mind those. And, you know, as you said earlier, Freddie, transform those into a deeper understanding of who I am, a stronger standing in my own place of who I am um, and a stronger knowing of what that means in terms of my interaction moment by moment. I, I I think I I I I'm appreciating your your way, Scott, of being able to bring the clarity you want to bring, to bring to notch up the conversation and to notch up the understanding in such a graceful way of never contradicting, never telling the person you know they don't they don't get it, but like loving what they said and. <laughs> And I love it because I gain so much from it because you don't shy away from bringing the next level. You don't shy away from, that's another thing, right? It's like, well, I want to honor someone's greatness. So I don't want to make them, I don't want to teach them something new because then they'll know they didn't know something. No, you're here. And so I learned so much from you and thank you mm -hmm. for that deeper level. And I, I will say that just really late, recently, I actually posted this on one of my groups. Um, I was, I had this morning where I was like, being pulled to my phone. And I was just, I wasn't, and I was just, I had some yucky moments and I just, I was like escalating more than I have in a long time. And I went to the bathroom again, that's my haven. And I locked the door and I'm on the floor in fetal position. And I'm just like, this sucks. Like, and I allowed myself to embrace it. And I allowed myself to feel it and to not just like, okay, we're not, you know, but to like, oh, like I just felt so much uh, and I, and I, um, and I just felt it. And I was like, how do I feel kind of somatically in my body? And I started rocking and crying and just like, I don't want to have my kids right now. And I just want everyone to go away. And I just need some space and I'm overwhelmed. And I just allowed myself to go where I, where I was feeling. And in that space of allowing that all to bubble up, like the deeper than that came too, and the deeper than that, that like, solar plexi I think it's called right here like that deep knowing of me of like damn I love my kids and I and I hate it when I when I don't I hate it when I'm distracted I hate my stupid phone and stupid social media and all of this I don't want to be a nurtured heart approach trainer anymore because I just want to be a mom you know and like wow what power that actually my trigger and escalation was coming from my own frustration at the distractions that were keeping me from being who I am. And so I felt that, I felt that how much I hated not being able to be fully present. And that washed over me so intensely. And I was like, well, what is that? Like, what is this? What is this truth about me? Like, I just really want to be present. And like, it's not over. That was the gratitude in the moment of like, my kids are still out there, like literally out there right across the door. I have more time. Like, and I just, I stayed there until I was ready, but I was the, the next process of that was just feeling how much I want to be present and feeling the gratitude that I have the opportunity to do that. And so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be present. And I came out, I remember that I was really, I said something that I was really not proud of with my daughter and she was out there waiting for me to come out in this sort of like, you're in reset mode, like separate. And I came out and she was like, 
like ready on the attack because that's what we were doing before. And I held her hands and I, I, I held her head, you know, and I, I brought her, as she's yelling at me, right? And I brought her close into my face and I looked at her and I said, I don't remember exactly what I had done before to apologize for, but I just, I looked at her and I said, I'm so sorry for how I was before. Like, I was just not, you know, I was not appreciating, you know, whatever, whatever I said, I don't remember, but I just like in her face was like, I'm like energetically, it didn't even matter what I was going to say. I just needed to show her like, I am here now. And she just was like, and you know, we hugged, it was the most beautiful and we had a great morning. But yes, that process of saying, yes, I feel icky. I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like punching. Wow. We're what? Wow. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. What are you all here to say? Like, what, what's the truth here? You know, let's get to the truth of this. When I have the time and the courage to go there, I become better at being me. I become the best me. Yeah, that's so powerful. I think what I wanted to say that I would <clears throat> probably end with actually um, is my children are now 21 and 23 and we've had lots of chats about those moments <laughs> when they were seven and nine. Hopefully, <clears throat> as you, hopefully as you're raising children to own their own inner wealth and to feel okay about themselves and to be who they are, you'll have conversations with them as they become adults. You know, mine are still very young adults, but they're now adults. And you will address your mistakes and you will be able to explain some of what you were thinking and you'll be able to have them as adults begin to understand more about some of the struggles that you were dealing with. And it, it just, to me, again, at this point, I don't know what it's like to have, you know, a 30 year old. I don't know what it's like to be a grandparent yet, but at this stage with a 21 and a 23 year old, <clears throat> it's just helped us so much in terms of just really evaluating life, loving life, me being able and my wife being able to share real messages and real lessons with our children. Yeah, it wasn't all perfect. <laughs> we screwed up lots of time. I'm screwed up lots of times probably today, but this is what I'm trying to do and this is what I'm doing. And then the second piece I wanted to share, which I think goes all the way full circle to like what Scott said is if, if I have a stand three and I do have this stand three in my life, I think I borrowed it from Josh Kirsten, but I won't allow a behavior to ruin a relationship. I won't allow my response to ruin a relationship. So in your case, Moosey, of a broken cabinet, like how absurd would it be for a mother to lose relationship with their child over a cabinet door? Or in my case of the bullying, you know, ninth grader, I want this ninth, ninth grader, you know, a 14, 13, 14 year old kid to grow into a 30 and 40 year old, amazing, fully equal contributing citizen, neighbor, partner, human. Why, why would I damage that? Why would I throw that away? Why would I do anything to damage the 30 year old person that this child can become because they made a, a, a bullying comment one morning and I didn't handle it right? So yes, to Scott's point, you know, we're, we're going to say the wrong thing lots of times and we just have to own up, do the best we can, move on. But I also think there's, there's something really to just understanding that there's very few behaviors that are worth ruining relationship. There are some, certainly, safety and, and things come into play. But, um, but if I have in my head, especially as a parent and a teacher, again, my role with strangers can be different. But as a teacher who's put in charge of these kids or a parent who is certainly in charge of my own children, I have to always have that first and foremost. Like I can't ruin relationship over a behavior. That would be silly. And then I guess there is a third thing, which is it isn't really about the, the big moment. Like you said, the big negative moment. Um, if I can treat that kid that's, you know, cussing in the back of the room or I could treat that kid who is bullying or I can treat that kid who you know is about to go home and get involved in some rough things after school different in the positive moments different in the neutral moments that'll be like a thousand different impressions that that kid has I might treat them in the bad like when they say the swearing thing 
I might do a very similar thing to what adults have done lots of times. Hopefully I'll do it differently and better and it will be a more impassioned sort of response. But a teacher is gonna to respond to bad behavior pretty similarly everywhere. But what can be different is how I respond in all those other moments, how I see them and treat them in all those other moments. And I think again, if you're a parent or teacher listening to this and you're wondering about NHA, the power is in the moments where things are going right not in how we respond to the things that are going wrong. And that doesn't mean we ignore the things that are going wrong. I'm just say it again, the power, the energy, the momentum that we need to handle the things going wrong, we find and we build and we create in the moments going right. I guess so, so healed. And this week I need that healing more than ever figuratively and literally um, talking to you guys. I so appreciate this. I hope we do this more. I always find myself inspired in these moments. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both for being willing to do this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the throes, right? My kids are so young and I'm, this is like, I'm so grateful for my profession because it makes me better at what matters most to me. So you both have a part in my children's health and futures, a very good part. <laughs> this is beautiful, you guys. All right, thank you.